You're listening to Episode 5 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender Podcast. Hi, I'm Brent Hasecker, and I'm your host of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. We are on episode five of the podcast, and we've got three segments for you on this podcast. The first segment is on protecting your hearing on the platform. Definitely very important as musicians. We got to do that. The second segment is on using plugins for synth bass. You might have recalled in the last episode, I talked about plugins for bass amps. Uh, well, this one I'm actually talking about plugins for synth basses and how to use those on the platform. The third segment is my really lame overview of NAM 2019. So let's go ahead and get started with the first segment. Protecting your hearing on the platform. Hearing is probably the most important thing to you as a, as a musician. I mean, if you don't have good ears, then it's kind of hard to do music. So I've always been very protective of my ears since I am a musician, and probably more so than, than most. Actually, if you were to to look on the the platform on the church where I play, you would probably see that the monitor levels for my in-ears are way lower than anyone else. Um, I know this as a fact because I've I've tried monitoring through other people's in-ears. You know, if you go to their, uh, we used to use Avioms, now we use, what's it, the, uh, the Behringer P3. 16s. So sometimes if I have to plug into somebody else's P16, it's blaringly loud. I got to be careful when I do that. I got to make sure I turn the volume down before I plug in because there's some ridiculous volumes that people use. Or if, I, if I'm if i alternating with the other bass player on the platform and I know that he's played the last time through the, uh, through the P16, then I have to make sure that I turn it down before I, I plug in. So, um, and I'm probably the one person on the platform that says, you know, even if I take my in-ears out and go, oh my gosh, the monitors, they're way too loud because only the musicians have in-ears, the singers don't. So we've got the, we've, in addition to having in-ears, we also have monitors blasting towards us for the singers. So, um, and sometimes the monitors are overpowering the the mains out front. We don't have any acoustical treatment in our in our in our sanctuary, so it gets a little crazy. You get what I you know like standing waves, and you get these frequencies that just kind of ring in your head. So it's a little bit uh, crazy, but um, I try to keep my volume really low. For for the many years I was using headphones on the platform, and so the. Uh, I was, but I was just finding that I was having a couple months back. I was actually realizing I was having some, some more hearing trouble with my ears. I've always had kind of a little bit of a muffled sound in my right ear and a little bit of uh, ringing in my ears as well. But I was noticing it was starting to get worse. Uh, we we actually had guests played. This is at least a year or so ago at another church. And we didn't have in-ears there. We just played out in the open, and there was no monitors. And they were just, in order for the band to be able to hear ourselves, they had to really blast the uh, PA. And it was a small room. And normally on our church, we the drummer 
next to me is in a cage, you know, with the plexiglass around them. So it gives me some extra protection there. And here at this church, I was playing actually through an amp, which normally I don't get a chance to play through, but I was sitting right next to the drummer and it was loud and it was just, and I was having a hard time. I, I brought earplugs just in case, because I thought, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to experience. I always carry earplugs on me. Usually those little foam ones, you know, you get at the, the drugstore or whatever. So I had the earphones and I was like, okay, this is really, after about the first song, I'm like, this is just crazy loud. And I'm shoving the earplugs in my, at least in my right ear, because that was the ear that was facing the drummer. And uh, I could barely hear anything that was going on, but I was at least trying to protect my ears. The and our drummer really loves his cymbals, so uh, it, that was a painful night for me. Um, and just really after that night, I even though I had the earplugs in my right ear, I just was had been feeling a lot of muffledness in my right ear and more ringing in my ear. So finally, I, I broke down. I went to uh, one of those hearing test places, whatever you call it, and I decided to get my ears checked, of course, and so I uh, got the test, and it was a little scary because they had indicated that I should have hearing aids, and I was like, no, I don't I don't think that's uh, required at this point in time. Um, had a little bit of loss of higher frequency, which that happens when you get older. I mean, I'm in my 40s, so I'm going to get a little bit of uh, roll-off on the uh, high frequencies. I already knew that would be the case. And, uh, but they were saying that, oh yeah, you need to have hearing, hearing aids. And they're really, I mean, they're just trying to sell you on hearing aids because they're giving you a free test and they want to, they want you to buy hearing aids. But I really didn't think that was the case. But, um, some things that I did learn from that hearing test, they gave me some good information, especially about the ringing in your ears. Uh, I always knew that coffee was, you know, caffeine, that that was something that caused or at least made the ringing in your ears worse. I've always struggled with staying off coffee. I, I love coffee. That's the, the one thing that I, that my one vice that I have, I guess you could say. So I enjoy coffee, but I, I try to stay off of it or minimize it. Right now I'm not drinking coffee and, well, I had a few cups of uh, this week, but don't tell anyone. Okay, so I'm mostly off coffee and uh, try to keep that to a minimum. But they also had mentioned that salt was something that increases the, the ringing in your ears. Another thing that increases the ringing in your ears was loratadine. And that's the stuff that's in a lot of allergy medicines. Uh, I use uh, over-the-counter generic loratadine for my allergies and take it almost every day. I don't really know why because it doesn't seem to do anything, but I still take it even though it doesn't really seem to work. But um, since I heard that loratadine causes more ringing in your ears, I decided to, to cut back and quit on that for a while. Had to start taking a little bit again lately because it's pollen season. So taking a little bit for pollen season, but after pollen season's over, I am going to get back off the loratadine. And the, uh, oh, another thing too, and this is something that I had heard online. I'll just kind of throw it in as a little bonus thing for you. If you're somebody who uses in-ears, don't use just one in-ear. I know a lot of people will just put one in so that they can hear themselves and then the other one out so they can kind of hear the vibe of the room and and hear what's going on with the uh, congregation and whatnot. But that's actually very dangerous for your ears. 
there's something about the science of it. I don't know how it works, but it your ears kind of compensate for the difference of volume levels between the two ears. And by compensating it somehow, I think it makes the the ear that you're hearing the sound in louder or something. Anyway, it causes more hearing damage than if you had like both of the the uh, in ears in and had it playing loud. So it's actually worse. It's it can really kill your your hearing. So if you're monitoring with one in ear in and one out, stop doing that. Learn to put both of them in and just live with it. Okay, so that's that's my little tip there for you, a little bonus tip. But uh, how I've been doing monitoring on the platform for the last few years is that I've, I've been using headphones. I'm one of those guys using headphones. And I, over when I first started on the, on the platform, everyone was using headphones other than the singers. All the musicians had headphones. And as of about mid last year, I was like the last guy on the platform using headphones. Everyone else had switched to in-ears. And I didn't want to use in-ears because I've always been very protective of my hearing, and I didn't want to cram a little a little amplifier down in my ear canal. That just, to me, that's scary. It, it scares me. So I, I, although I've had some sure, uh, those cheap ones, the 215s or whatever they're called, I've had those for a number of years. I tried them once and, and just, uh, that was about it, put them away. But I decided, okay, I got to do something different than what I'm doing. And I've got the headphones on. I'd rather use that because the one thing I like about the headphones is that they uh, it blocks out it, more of the ambient noise. Because when you just have in-ears in, you're still getting bombarded with all the external noise hitting your ear, even though you've got the plug in and it's still getting in into your it's, I think that's one of the reasons why bass players have an issue with in-ears sometimes because it, all of that external noise is really kind of blocking out or disguising the, the bass frequencies so you can't really hear them. Now, to back up, I, I, I did find out that if there are certain kinds of uh, in-ears that are you know the custom-molded ones, those that are really super expensive, those are actually better at cutting out more external uh, noise, but uh, again, they're really expensive. But uh, I started thinking, okay, what could I could what could I do in order to uh, to make you know how could I could I do something different because I'm using headphones, but yet I'm still I'm not. It's just it wasn't. I knew there was something else I could do because I was it was still bothering me listening through headphones. I was still getting more ringing in my ears even when I was playing through headphones and not playing within ears. So I was trying to fit because I, I don't know. I can't explain it why, but it just it wasn't quite working for me. So I had to think of something different to do, and I came up with this idea. And I thought, okay, I'll go back to in-ears, but because I have a hard time really getting enough bass out of them, and I don't want to crank them up and play them loud, I want to protect my hearing, you know, hearing keep the volumes low, so what I came up with is I, I use in-ears, I put them in, keep the volume low, but then I take shooting uh, muffs. I, you know, if you go out to a shooting range and you put on those ear muffs, the hearing protection muffs, they're like, they block, you know, like 30, 40 decibels. They bring the volume down, put those over and you can actually, it then blocks out a lot of that external noise that you hear from the room 
And now you've got the you've got the in-ears wedged down in your ears playing at a low volume, but you can hear everything real nice. You can hear the the bass real nice, and you don't have all of that other noise that's just can you know making it hard to hear that it's I'm not explaining it well, but you know when you get all that other noise in there, it just becomes a distraction and it make it disguises all of the other frequencies that you hear in your in-ears. And it's amazing the difference between having the the shooting muffs on and off when you're playing with the in-ears. It's incredibly different because when you put those those shooting muffs on, it completely brings it's almost like it brings your bass volume up and suddenly now you can hear your bass with in-ears now of course you still got the 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 look of headphones on your head and i know a lot of people think oh that looks really corny and you look like a a nerd with with uh, headphones on i probably do but hey i don't care i look like a nerd without them too so i'm not up on the platform to look cool i'm on the platform to serve and to do a good job and so this is a method that i've i've uh came up with and it's working for me so I wanted to, to share it with you now just to go back um, you know I went to the hearing test they said yo you need to have uh, hearing aids well I did follow that up with an actual visit to the ear nose and throat guy and had my ears you know properly checked with their hearing test I actually came back with better results from them and they did not indicate that I needed any kind of uh, external hearing protection or not hearing protection hearing aids which I figured was the case. Um, But uh, going back to the hearing test place where they were trying to sell it to me, one thing that was interesting that I didn't realize that they could do now. So years and years and years and years down the road, I'm sure, when I do actually need hearing aids, or maybe I never will, but if I ever do, decades and decades from now, uh, they've they've actually got them now where they can tie in your hearing aids to the in-ear monitors. So basically your hearing aids kind of become like a, an in-ear monitor. Um, I don't know how it works, but they were telling me about it and it sounded pretty cool. And somehow they just, they, they, uh, they kind of get it optimized for that. And they, I don't know how it actually ties into the, uh, the P16 or the Aviom or whatever it is you're using. I don't know if it's wireless or if they, you have to plug it into a cord or I, I don't know any of that stuff, but I didn't really want to know because I was like in denial. I was like, no, I don't need, I don't need hearing aids or anything. No. So uh, I just kind of heard a little bit of it. I didn't really get all the details on that, but it is something that if you do have hearing aids, yeah, they can actually tie those into in-ear monitoring system. So check that out if you do have uh, hearing aids and play on the platform. One more thing I wanted to point out when I was at the hearing uh, test, they were indicating that usually most bass players, I was surprised, I'm kind of in a rural area, yet this uh, particular person that does hearing test tends to work with a lot of musicians. And they said a lot of the bass players that they do hearing test on usually have hearing loss in the ear that's pointed towards the drummer so if you're standing if the if you're standing next to the drummer and the drummer is on your right then your right ear is going to have some hearing loss uh so that and that makes complete sense because uh even going back to my example when i was playing in that church and i was sitting right next to the drummer it was my right ear that was taking a beating because the drums were to my right and they were the ones that were suffering the most so if you're in a situation where you're playing next to a drummer 
on church plat on a church platform, and they don't you don't have a uh, a drum cage that the drummer's in, and you're not using any kind of in ear monitors or anything like that. You're playing through amps and and got a live stage there. Just think about how you can protect your ears in that situation. Because you don't want to lose your hearing or damage your hearing because it's, it, I mean, that's, you're a musician and your ears are incredibly important to you. And, and as you age, it's just going to get worse and it's going to, get to affect your quality of life. So protect your ears. They're really important to you. And make sure that by protecting them, you have the most amount of time to be able to use your gifting on the platform serving God. Our main segment, using computer plugins for synth bass. Last episode, I talked about using plugins on the platform in the case of using a bass amplifier plugin when using in-ears when you're not able to use an actual live amplifier and now also when you're if you're looking to instead of spending a bunch of money on a on a pedal board with a preamp and and compressor pedal and everything else you can actually if you already got a laptop you can just use your laptop and and use a, a, a audio uh, interface to just uh basically play your your bass through your computer playing a plugin. And last episode I talked about the plugins I was using, the Amplitube, the Ampeg plugin that Amplitube has, also the Overloud has the Mark Bass collection. And so we talked about that last episode, check it out. And this episode I actually wanted to kind of continue on that that plugin vibe and and talk about using plugins for synth bass. A lot of people who play bass guitar on a church platform tend to also play a lot of synth bass. I'm seeing that more and more. Uh, Bass players are kind of having their little side rig where they'll have their hardware set up. They'll usually have a little two to four octave keyboard next to them, and they'll just be playing their little synth bass stuff whenever the song calls for it and switching back to bass. I've done that as well, too. I, I every once in a while play some synth bass on the platform. Usually, in my case, it, it tends to be with my tendonitis is acting up in my left hand, and I'll, I'll use my right hand and play some synth bass for that, uh, for that, uh, uh, for that uh, service. Whenever I play synth bass on the platform in those situations, I'm actually always using software plugins. It's because, hey, I'm already now using my laptop at church for the plugins through for my bass for the amplifier. Why not just use it for keyboard too? Actually, I was using it plugins for keyboard before I was ever doing it for for bass, uh, the bass guitar. Um, I just that's actually where I, I'm getting all mixed up here. So that's actually where I started was doing it plugins with the keyboard, and then and then I thought, hey, why don't I also do this for bass guitar? So anyway. Back to what I was talking about with SynthBase is that uh, it's a good alternative to use to hardware. Uh, again, just like I mentioned last week, if you're using a lap, if you've got a laptop already, you can use it for a bass guitar amplifier plugin. Well, with SynthBase, you can do the same thing, and you can also use one device to make sound for both instruments, your bass guitar and your synth bass. 
and a lot of people who are using the synth bass on the platform, they're playing the bass guitar, then they have to have some way to switch between the two signals because usually they only have one input to the board that the, that the sound man's giving them. That's the case in, with me too, is I only, I only get one channel on the board. So this is a great way to just run everything through the computer and I'm just, I can level match it right there in the computer, send, send it out to the, uh, the board and we're all set. And so the advantages of, in addition to that, over hardware is that um, there's very, it's very flexible when you're using, when you're using software. You can, there's a variety, a large variety of, of different types of plugins out there for different types of synthesizers. So you have a lot of flexibility, a lot of options. There's analog modeling, there's wavetable synthesizers, FM synthesizers, there's sampling sense, there's all kinds of stuff out there. And so you have a lot to pick from and you can get, you know, like it, it's actually very affordable too. So if you're looking to go, oh, I really want that Moog sound. And so now you're out looking at a, you know, a sub 37 or, or, or other type of Moog synth where you're going to be paying at least a thousand bucks or so or somewhere in that neighborhood or up to four grand for, for a mini Moog you don't actually have to spend that money for, for hardware. You can get the same thing in software and play and pay just a fraction of the cost. And so you've got that flexibility. Uh, you also have the ability to set up different, uh, different instances of the same plugins and create big layered sounds might be overkill for, for bass if you're just doing synth bass, but, uh, you've got a lot of ability to really stack up a lot of different plugins also, what's cool is that, you know, since they're a good value, uh, you also can get bundled collections where, uh, you know, bundled software that already has come with your, your uh, DAW software. You know, you're using a digital audio workstation. You might already have some plugins that would work great for a synth bass. All you got to do is just look in there and go, oh, hey, I didn't even know I had this here. It's a synth bass, and okay, there you go. Or if you're going to use synth bass a synth-based plug-in, then you're still going to need a keyboard to play it with, so you're going to have to get a MIDI controller. And a lot of MIDI controllers come bundled with free software uh, that you can use to create synth-based sounds. And depending on the bundle that you're getting, some of them actually give you some pretty some pretty decent software. Then there's also free plugins. And so there's a lot of free plugins out there that you can use and download. I'll always be careful, of course, whenever you're downloading free stuff because you don't want to get any malware or anything like that. But there's, you know, some well-known ones out there that are pretty reputable. You can figure out what those are, and uh, I'll give you a kind of a rundown of some of those different plugins, the ones that I recommend, both both paid and free. So I'll go over those. Um, but as you can see, there's, there's a lot of uh, advantages to synth plugins because... Again, it's usually pretty affordable, and you can get set up with uh, a synth-based plugin if you already got a laptop that you can use for the platform. Then basically, a controller keyboard might be all that you need because you might already have a synth plugin that you didn't even know you had already installed, or you can get something cool with a with a controller keyboard. So you can save all the pre, just like with hardware, you can save lots of different presets. You can actually save more with software. So in my case, I'm killing two birds with one stone. I also got to do is I got to take my laptop to church 
And I've got an audio interface, a little small USB one that plugs into the computer, and, and that's it. I leave a keyboard controller at the church that I can plug into the computer. I plug my bass into the audio interface for the bass amp plug-in, and now I can play whatever synth plug-in that I want to play from the uh, computer using the, the MIDI controller, and I'm all set. It's a very easy setup to carry around, and it's pretty affordable since I already, I, even if I didn't play music at all, I'd still have a laptop. So I'm going to have that regardless. So I'm just spending a little bit extra for the, for the plugins. So let's talk about the different plugins that are available. Like I mentioned, that if you're going to get a MIDI controller, then some of the ones that are out there now, first of all, the MIDI controls are typically a lot of times the cheaper ones are junk. Um, I use a Novation, I forget the was an SL, 49 or something like that. It's a four, it's a four octave keyboard. It uh, has a lot of great controls on it and I like it, but the only thing I don't like about it is the the actual the keyboard action on it is, is actually, is, it's terrible. Um, and that's the way a lot of them are. So just bear that in mind that you're not going to get good quality for a hundred bucks in most cases. Um, but that being said, it, you know, if you're just playing bass parts on it, then it's not going to be a big deal. But the Arturia uh, one that's out there, what's the, oh gosh, I forget the, the name of it. But uh, anyway, that one's like 150 bucks for like a four octave keyboard. And you get the Key Lab, or excuse me, the Analog Lab software with it. And so that's going to give you all the vintage synthesizer uh, plugins, or at least being able to tap into all those different vintage synthesizers and have different patches that you can pull up. Now, the only thing with me is, is I've been an Arturia user for years and years and years. I've got their V collection and, uh, the only, all their software is awesome, but the V collect, or excuse me, the analog lab has always crashed with, for me. And, uh, so it would be great software for you to use if it works, if it doesn't crash, but for me, it's always crashed. Although there's a, one of our keyboard players on the platform, using a Mac, I use a PC, he's using a Mac and he's been using recently the Arturia uh, Analog Lab and it's been working perfectly fine for him. Another keyboard you might want to look into is the the uh, Native in Native Instruments has the, uh, the A, I think it's the A series and you could pick up like a four octave keyboard or a two, oct a two octave keyboard for like 150 bucks, a four octave keyboard for about 200 bucks and they've got a new mini key version that's coming out soon and th that uh you know native instruments has been around for a long time they make a lot of great stuff and what's cool about their midi controller is that you can control a lot of other it's like pre-mapped for a lot of other software but it also comes with some really good software the uh, monarch synth is one that comes with any controller and that Monarch is a, a basically a, a emulation of a mini Moog. So if, again, if you want that mini Moog sound, all you got to do is buy a, a native instrument controller and you get that software for a mini Moog included and you're good to go. Other software that I really like is Yuhi. They make some outstanding uh, synth software. I'm a big fan of Diva. That's a, a really awesome synth. It's probably one of my favorite soft synths, and it can emulate mini Moogs and Roland synths and, and just 
Oberheim and just really any kind of vintage analog that you want to you want to emulate that's that's the scent to get and it's really cool the way it works and how you can interchange the different modules of different scents and and whatnot but um, just bear in mind that it is processor intensive so you might want to download well you will want to download the the, uh, demo first try it out see if the the demo runs fine on your computer if it does then that's a that's a good plug-in to use also one that i'm i'm really enjoying now a lot too is the repro repro one it's an outstanding vintage synthesizer emulator uh, it really has some really nice bass sounds too so you might want to check that one out and uh, i'm a big fan also of the rob papen stuff papen however you say the, his last name but uh, rob papen papen whatever it is um really love uh all the scents that are available from from that manufacturer i mean there's a ton of good stuff out there it's really whatever your preferences are i'll what i'll do is and this is just a really simple little little thing i just put together like just an hour before doing this podcast and it just the song that was on my mind because we uh we just did it at service today unstoppable god i'm just going to borrow a few chords from that song set up a quick loop and i'm going to just have just a real light drum pattern chords and then a synth bass just so you can hear what some of these different plugins sound like and so i'll do about four or five of them just so you can kind of hear and and again this is this is just one example from each of the of the plugins it, it's not a full you know demonstration of what this particular plugin can do um, all of them are very flexible and can can make a lot of different different sounds but i'm just randomly picking a few one sound for each plugin just so you can hear what the uh, the synth plugins sound like in the context of a song and again don't judge me on this i know i'm not going to win any awards on this demo don't don't email me and say oh this that demo you song you did sounds like garbage well of course it does because it's just it's something i set up in 10 minutes so that you can hear some examples of these plugins so let's uh check out check out the first one which is the yuhi repro one That was the Yuhi Repro 1. Now let's try the Arturia Mini Moog V. Okay, that was the Mini Moog, Arturia Mini Moog V. Now let's do a free plug-in, which is the Bayuhi, which is the Podolsky.
that was the free plugin by Yuhi called Podolsky. Now let's do the paid plugin by Yuhi called Diva. Okay, that was the Diva by Yuhi. Now let's do a Rob Papin synth. This one is the Go To synth. Okay, now try and figure out what this next synth is going to be. Okay, that was actually kind of a trick question because that wasn't a synth at all. That was actually an organ. It was the Arturia uh, B3 organ module uh, plug-in. I actually, back uh, back in the day, I used to use an organ module, an Oberheim OB3. Um, it was a little lap, not a laptop, a, a desktop kind of little device, a little uh, drawbar organ module. And I used to use that a lot of times for uh, for bass sounds. And so uh, actually, <laughs> you can use the organ uh, actually quite well if you actually think about it. And you think of the B3 and, uh, and even a lot of churches and stuff, and they got the big pedals that the organist feet are using. And a lot of times you hear like really cool uh, bass sounds coming from an organ, and, and they're playing the organ with their hands and, and playing bass lines with their feet. So you can actually you can actually use an organ in some cases for for a bass sound, and a lot of times it works pretty well. In this particular case, I was just of course giving it a lot of uh, overdrive and a little bit extra grit, but uh, sometimes just some pure uh, organ tones will work pretty well too. Of course, I need to also mention that if you're listening to those examples on your mobile phone, uh, you're probably not going to hear too much. You're probably going to be pretty disappointed. Um, and what you're hearing because your phone speaker is just not going to pick up any bass sound at all. So you're probably not hearing any bass at all. So uh, you got to make sure to listen to those examples on some actual speakers so you can hear uh, what, I, what I was demonstrating to you. Uh, but those are some examples of what some of the synth plugins sound like. And again, those it's not it's not like each one of the, what I played is exactly what that particular synth sounds like, and that's the only sound it can make. All of those synth plugins can make a wide variety of synth-based sounds. I was just randomly picking one from each, so I wouldn't say listen to that and go, oh, I like that particular synth bass the most, so I'm going to get that particular plugin. It just happened to be that was the bass sound. I just happened at random pick for that particular plugin. So uh, really, any again, any synth uh, bass or any uh, synthesizer plug-in for a computer is going to be able to make a wide variety of synth-based sounds. 
However, saying that, some of my favorites that I like, definitely really liking the uh, the Repro by Yuhi. That's an excellent uh, scent to use for scent base. The Diva, is, of course, is an extremely powerful synthesizer for analog bass uh, synthesizer sounds. Uh, it's also pretty synth. Both of those are actually pretty processor intensive at times, so make sure to check your computer beforehand. I'm um, also kind of liking the, uh, the, the go-to by Rob Papin. Uh, that's a pretty powerful little synth, even though it's pretty simplistic, but uh, it's actually uh, sounds, get a lot of good sounds out of it, and it's one of the most affordable of all the paid synth plugins that are out there. Uh, some other ones that I would also recommend, I uh, always, you can never go wrong with, with a Mini Moog style plugin. I have the Arturia Mini Moog V and it's excellent. Uh, so that's a good one too. Some good free ones to consider. Uh, I th definitely think Yuhi's got some good stuff and their free uh, Podolsky plugin. Uh, yes, it's actually free if you go to Yuhi. I think it was at uhe.com, I guess, or is it u-he.com? Uh, the letter U-H-E. If, if you do a Google search, it'll pull it up. Uh, but they've got a free plugin called Podolsky, and yes, it's free. You can download it to your computer, and you can get some great synth-based sounds, some great uh, overall, some really good uh, synth synthesizer sounds, and uh, just an all-around great plugin, so you can try that one out, too. NAM 2019 review. Okay, so this is my really lame and really late overview of the NAM 2019 show. That was back in January. I'm finally getting this podcast finished in March. I was planning on having it done in February, but life happens, so it's being completed here in March. So a wrap-up on a NAM show from two months ago, well, that's pretty lame. And to make it even lamer, I really didn't pay attention to it this year, so I don't have a whole lot to report. Uh, so this particular overview is just going to be pointing out two things uh, that I thought were interesting. The two actual things that I actually know about NAM from this year. One of them is actually the reason I know about it is because it's a custom base builder that I started paying attention to last year. Uh, really liking the, the bases this guy has been building. Found out about him through TalkBase and Last year, he started posting. Well, ever since I, I, I heard about him on TalkBase last year, then went to his website and checked out uh, what he was building and just really gorgeous instruments. And uh, actually, the most gorgeous ones I've seen aren't all on his website, although most of them are, but um, just people posting photos of their, their Devon bass. So I just gave away the uh, who I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> working up to the introduction here and I give it away. Uh, so the, you know, people have been posting pictures of their base and, and so I checked out their website and then of course followed them on Facebook and they just happen to be one of those Facebook pages that always shows up in my feed. Every time they, they post a photo, boom, it's in my feed. So liked a lot of their photos and, and, um, 
And when in their Facebook page, they, they were posting that, hey, they're going to uh, NAM this year, loading up a loading up a van and a bunch of bases and heading out to, um, to NAM. So um, paid a lot of attention to them on that because they, of course, were carrying some really great looking bases out to NAM with them. And of course, I was seeing the, the photos of them in my Facebook feed all the time. So Hey, I wanted to give them a plug. So uh, Devon Base is what it is. If you go to their website, it's devonbase.com. And no, they have not paid me or told me to mention anything about them. This is just me really liking this particular company from what I've been seeing online. Um, They're making some really great looking custom J-Bases, which is always been a goal of mine at one point at some point in time, I'm going to have a custom J base. Um, it might not be for, you know, years down the road, but at some point I am actually going to have a custom J base and they would definitely be on my, my a list of, of, uh, builders to look into and, uh, very innovative on the, uh, what they put into their instruments. There's some stuff that they do with their instruments. I've never seen anyone else do before. So I think one would be the the magnetic plates on the back for getting to the uh, control panel for, you know, the controls of the, the instrument and also swapping out batteries and whatnot. Um, just really innovative instruments um, and people who have them really love them. So anyway, I just figured I'd give them a plug. Why not? Uh, the other thing that I would mention on my, my big, massive, awesome, wonderful uh, NAM overview that's really lame. <laughs> would be the uh, I saw a, I saw something from somebody who posted uh, some information about a product that they've released, and it's actually pretty clever. I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty clever, and I'm not sure why nobody thought of it before. Although maybe they have, and somebody tried it before, and maybe it didn't didn't succeed financially. But it's a bass tuners that actually have their own gearing ratio. Each one has a different gearing ratio. Uh, makes sense because if you ever tune a, a a bass or any guitar really, then the 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 low string is going to react more to the slightest of turns of the tuner, whereas your higher pitch strings are going to react less. So you end up having to twist the higher pitch strings more twist twist the tuner more in order to get the same results of a smaller turn on the the big string so hey it makes sense yeah if you make each one have its own custom to, uh, tuning ratio then or you know gearing then it's going to uh, make all of the you can make all of the strings actually react the same to your tuners so thinking of it that way it's like hey that's that's a pretty clever idea but then when you think about it it's like is that really needed? Um, is it really that hard to tune a bass so that you actually have to get new tuners on that have different gearing ratios? Because really, once you put your strings on, you tune it up, you're good to go. Um, you're just making little tweaks here and there as your bass changes to different, you know, atmospheric conditions or whatever. Or might go a little sharper, flat in different environments, and you just do a little bit of tuning. And from years of tuning, you know, I'm pretty much used to the different or the same gear ratio on all the tuners. So it might be one of those products. Is it over-engineered? Is that really something we need? But uh, it, it's still a clever idea. So I wanted to, to mention it. Who makes these? It's a ratio, ratio machine heads. That's what they are, ratio machine. So anyway, I figured I'd give them a plug. It's definitely clever and uh, cl- 
clever idea. I don't know if it's necessarily needed, um, but it's definitely something I wanted to mention. Maybe uh, there's somebody out there who goes, my goodness, that's exactly what I need. I want to go get those. So anyway, there you go. That's my my very late and very lame overview of the NAM 2019 show. Just now completing five episodes of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. It's a lot of fun. Um, took me a little while longer to get this episode out than a previous one, so I'm trying to get on a goal of being one ep- at least one episode a month. That's kind of the goal I want to be in. Uh, this one took like two months to, to get done, so sorry about that. Uh, but going forward, I should be on a more of a monthly basis with this. Been kind of excited. Uh, we got our first review in iTunes from somebody, and the person I don't know if it's you know who it is because they went by a username of Pursuing Heaven. Uh, they said finally a podcast for church bassist. Thank you so much for writing that. It was actually a five star review. Thank you. And the reason that made me really happy to see, not so much because of the five stars, although that's always going to make me happy, but the fact that they they get it. They wrote, finally, a podcast for church basis, because when I decided to do this podcast, the whole reason I did it was because I was like, man, there is not a single podcast out there for church bass players. So that was the whole goal of creating the podcast, and this person just totally nailed it. So I'm glad to uh, see that. There's other people that are out there looking for a bass guitar podcast for for uh, worship, and um, so that make that means uh, you know people people care about what I'm doing here. So I'm I'm, I'm grateful for that. Thank you. They also mentioned that uh, they hope to uh, they hope at some point they'll hear some Caribbean and gospel bassist. Uh, one day. So I guess that means on the, the podcast. And actually, if uh, I would love, that would make me so happy to have uh, definitely some uh, some gospel uh, bass players, maybe get some interviews or whatnot with them. And hey, some Caribbean too, that would be, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, so definitely we'll try for that in the future. And we're continuing to build our audience. We've got uh, we've got, uh, in addition to getting a review now on iTunes, and if you haven't yet, obviously you haven't because we only got one so far, but if you like the podcast, definitely go to iTunes and leave us a review. We really would appreciate that. And we're also building an audience on Podbean. We're getting close to about 1,000 downloads on, on Podbean, so that's pretty cool. We also have a YouTube channel, which is not strictly for just the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. It's kind of an overall Worship Blender video channel where it's still mostly focused on bass stuff, but it, it kind of branches out into some areas too. So if you want to check us out on YouTube, that would be, I believe it's just, uh, well, if you just do a search for Worship Blender, you'll find it on, on YouTube. And we've got about, got about 200 subscribers there. So that's, uh, we're building an audience there. And we are, well, we're not really building an audience on Facebook, on our Facebook page. It's, that one's going slow. So we've got a handful of people now that are following us there, looking to get some more people. So definitely check us out there. I know 
a lot of it's my fault because I haven't been posting as much as I should, but I'm, I am posting more stuff now. So I'm, I'm getting that, I'm getting that going. Uh, you can always find me too online. Sometimes I'm hanging out on TalkBase and other forums like that. Uh, so I hope to connect with you and hear from you. I, you know, I definitely want to get more, more interaction from, from listeners and kind of find out what your view is on the podcast and what you like about it, what you don't like about it. So we can continue to, to make it better. All of the songs and music that you hear on this podcast have been recorded by me. And most of it is written by me. Uh, of course, the uh, the song "Unstoppable God" is not me. That was that's an elevation worship. I use that for the example of the the uh, the synth basses uh, earlier on in the podcast. That was the chord progression to "Unstoppable God" by Elevation Worship. Um, and then I couldn't help myself. Uh, it was just kind of a a dumb little demo I did and I was just noodling around doing some testing with some other some other plugins and ended up making just a kind of a, a weird little version of the song that kind of sounds like Toto 4 meets the Moog cookbook for those of you that are nerdy enough to, to know that, that reference. Uh, so anyway, that is our episode 5 of the Worship Blender, Worship Blender, the episode 5 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and thank you again for listening. God bless you, and have a great day.